Awesome. Awesome. So March the 21st, Baptism Sunday. Look forward to that. Uh, great testimonies there about what God's doing. Thanks, Andy. We're going to get into the Word this morning. Why don't you get your Bibles out? Joshua chapter 1. We're kicking off a whole new series. February is up. Anyone still think it's February? February is over. We are now in autumn. Um, by the end of this month, 25% of 2021 will be over. Um, and we are fast-tracking our way to Easter, and then just after Easter, it's Christmas. <laughs> so this morning, the title of my message is, Be Strong in Hope. Be Strong in Hope. Joshua chapter 1, these next few weeks, we're going to be pulling apart Joshua 1, Joshua 2. Let me read to you verse 7. Verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. My encouragement to you is it's not too late to start a reading plan, um, some way of consuming God's word in life. Um, a number of people I know, Luke was telling me yesterday that he likes being on the treadmill, so that's a thing, number one. But while he's on the treadmill, listening to podcasts and teaching while he's doing that. I know some people have audio books and that's becoming very popular in the car driving and listening to God's word chapter by chapter. Personally, I'll be up very early in the morning and reading, um, uh, I've got a journal Bible where uh, I'm reading one page, writing on the other page and I, I love that. Uh, it's a, it's, it, it feeds me and fuels me. I can't uh, go through a, a, a few days by missing that and going, I, I need to get that done. I'll, I'll get up here this morning and play catch up and get into that. And I'd encourage you that whether it's a train ride or a car ride or a treadmill session, that you build a pattern into your world where you are regularly participating and consuming God's Word. And we're learning from Joshua 1 about the importance of that. Joshua is a great model for all of us, every single one. And any Joshua's in the building this morning. I know there's one here, there's two here. I can't see any more Joshua's. Um, but I would say to you that you are a Joshua. So turn to your neighbour and tell them that they are a Joshua. And hopefully by the end of this message you'll understand why you can own that space. And one of the important reasons, I believe, is that Joshua, as many Bible teachers and conferences and church themes over the many years, have always talked about Joshua as the next generation leader. Well, see, we are all next generation people from someone else. See, some things were different for Joshua, for sure, but I mean, let's make sure that we learn from him over the next few weeks about how we can handle transition, how we can take on our mantle, the thing that's in front of us. Simply that we are all improving upon what we're taught or have experienced so. I mean, my dad always used to say to me, don't 
Mark, don't ever get kicked by the same donkey twice. Um, and I've, I've really learnt from that because there was times when he obviously got kicked twice by the same donkey, saying, don't do what I did. In the same way, I think as, as leaders, as people of faith, it's, there's obligation inherently on us, whether it's faith motivated or just common sense motivated, that your channel, the people that you are leading in whatever community aspect that may be, whether you're, you're still single or whether there's whatever the family makeup it is, is that the next generation will be better than how you led. Yeah, come on. Come on, we want our kids to do better than we did, right? I mean, we, we would love them to buy a house sooner. We'd like them to start a business sooner. We'd like our churches to be better than what used to be all those generations ago. We want our families to communicate better than what, how even we've experienced. I mean, we want to cause our kids to dreams for the future. We don't want them to be pessimistic about the future. We don't want them to have anxiety about the future. We should be believing that they're hopeful about the future. So that actually is about us speaking into them and speaking confident hope. I mean, I, I just, there's so many stories I could talk about, but I remember just thinking, oh, if only one day in my lifetime someone could help me start a business. And then I've now, as, a, as an adult, and I've been on that cycle and done that quite a few times, and now talking to my daughters and my son-in-laws and just going, oh my good opportunities that they've got now at their age, I craved for, and I could be reminiscent about them. I remember mum telling me stories saying, you know, you don't understand how lucky you've got it. You remember those stories? I used to ride a horse five miles to get to school. That's... That's a true story. She told me that story. She had to milk so many cows and then ride the horse. And, and now, you know, we don't have to ride a horse to school anymore. We can, you know, mum and dad drop us off at the gate. You know, all these things, how, how better things have got. What about the people hanging around you? Could you lift them up? Could you improve the story? Could they get further ahead than what even you've done? See, the ability to lift other people up actually is really a ruler or a measure of bigness inside of us. In the same way or in the opposite way, if you need other people small around you, that also speaks directly to the smallness inside of you. So let's, let's encourage the bigness in other people. Let's celebrate their successes. Let's push them on further. Don't let your friends or your family be satisfied where they are. Oh, look, I, I just got in my spirit that this year, 2021, this is going to be a year abundance. This is not the year to fear, bunker down, and become a prepper. This is the year to be expansive. This is the year to start the business, to make the investment, or do what you've had in your heart that you've dreamed of. Take that leap right now. Encourage bigness in other people. Don't let smallness either the day. Bury that thing. Put it away. See, Joshua, you, me. I mean, I dare say 
that there was tension in the moment of transition from Moses to his leadership and stepping into the promised land. One, Joshua had to pick up the baton of leadership. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, there wasn't an option for Joshua. He didn't say, well, let me think about that. He didn't get the option to say, well, let me finish the degree in leadership before you ask me to lead, Lord. Or let me get my heirs in order because, you know, I don't have my investment portfolio exactly where I'd like it to be. Let me get that sort before I'm into leadership. No, he just had to pick up the baton so that he did not break, listen to, did not break the chain of the past. Yet the beautiful thing was at the same time he up the baton, he was also embraced the future with all of its challenges. See, sometimes people have a culture where they want to um, disconnect or disassociate with the past because of whatever reason. There's painful memories or situations, sure. But again, you can't actually deny the past. Well, we all must also um, learn from that and grow from that, but really look forward to the future. There's a change that's happening in history. My mother come to visit us. She's from Queensland, so they've let her out. And... Um, <laughs> And so she had a visit. So on the last night of her stay, we, I got my three daughters all at the table with her and, and myself and we opened up the laptop computer and I typed in Ancestry.com and we started to fill in all the gaps about the generations past. And it was, it was fantastic. I mean, I learned so much that night. What I loved is my girls um, got to see names that they've never heard before and they were distant names from my grandmother as a kid remembering. And so all of a sudden there's so a mud map now of where we've gone. But see, it doesn't mean our future, but, but it's beautiful to understand where we've come from. Joshua had to interpret the promises made to Moses in a rapidly changed context. It sounds a little bit like 2021 to me. I mean, they left Egypt, they were slaves, they weren't a nation, just a whole rabble of people. And Moses drags them out of that situation. He pushes them and circles around a dead for 40 years, brings them to the edge and then says, hey, it's not my turn, it's that guy's turn. And he's going to take you in promise. I mean, if you were in that camp of, as Bible scholars say, about 3 million people, you'd be going, as they did at different stages, wouldn't it be better that we just go back to leeks and onions? And then change always makes people fearful rather than I would say change is a golden opportunity for what God can do. I mean, confusion, there's always, in, in a business sense, I can tell you that wherever there's disruptions, there's opportunities. We are in a massive disruption moment in history. There's opportunities everywhere. In the newspaper uh, last week, if you wanted to have a swimming pool put in your house, you have to wait a year because the back orders are so big. Any swimming pool installers in this room, no, they're here working. <laughs> Their order books are full. Disruption means opportunity. Joshua then needed to lead with courage, confidence. Joshua had to follow 
think about this, in the footsteps of one of the world's greatest leaders. No wonder God encouraged him three times in chapter one, be strong and courageous. See my first point, and I've got four of them. Hopefully we get all the way through. Joshua 1 verse 2, the statement there says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am given. Moses was dead and gone. It was now up to Joshua. He had to pick up the... He had to lead them into the promise. See, Moses would have been a person to take over from. I mean, the Bible says that he was one of the most humble men on planet Earth. On God's perspective, he was pure in heart and character and was not self-interested. Moses was trained in, uh, in the ways of kings in Pharaoh's house in Egypt, yet he rejected that culture and was in favour of being outcast for the sake of Israel. Think about that. I mean, Moses um, had elite training. He went to the fanciest schools known on planet Earth. He didn't go to Wary Public School. I did. I'm the junior boy champion there, by the way. For those people who are new to the church, I've, I've got a trophy. It's my only trophy. Under 10. But see, Pharaoh had the best education, best experiences. He'd tasted the best food, yet he chose none of those. I mean, we all for all of those opportunities, yet Moses rejected those opportunities for the sake of the people. Moses heard and knew God's and prioritized God's call on his life. He changed direction about what he was doing and where he was because of the call. Moses led with courage and conviction. No wonder Joshua was fearful at the weight of responsibility about leading that fell on his shoulders to take his people, who weren't the easiest to lead, by the way, into the promised land. Strong and courageous. We are all like Joshua's. I mean, Joshua was aware of the fear of God. He understood that when people were uh, rebellious about how God would react, I mean, at different times he opened the, the land and people fell in the hole in a big earthquake, all sorts of things. I mean, um, Joshua was also well, truly aware of the fear of comparison. He was right beside Moses' side as the leader all of those years. But maybe something that we really thought about or put on Joshua before is that Maybe there was the fear of failure. What happens if this big task that he was anointed for, that he couldn't deliver that? See, living by empowerment is a courage and confidence killer. That's why Joshua had to learn to live in his own way and not try to be Moses 2.0, but to be Joshua. See, the story of his leadership, the testimony of his leadership, is that he overcome all of those fears. They were self-generated or put on him by other people, but he still led with confident hope. See, the next generation always faces new territories and new um, challenges that the previous generation didn't have to think about. 
I mean, why then would we want to hinder them with stories or constraints about you've got to do it the old way? When the, when the challenges they're facing are new. I mean, Joshua's job was to possess Thomas. Moses' job was to confront Pharaoh. Moses' job was to live in and through Egypt. Yet Joshua's job was to, about possession of the promise. I mean, God's in wherever you set foot, that's the land I'm giving you. See, even though Joshua had the statement from God in John 1 verse 3 saying, whatever I promised Moses, that's what you're going to get. I mean, he could have had that up on his bathroom door, you know, promised land, here we come, bumper sticker, whatever, you know, um, all where Moses um, believed, that's what we're for. He could have had all of those motivational statements, but he still had to possess it. All of us have promises in front of us, but we've got to possess them. And there's ways that we'll do that. And over the next few weeks, we'll talk about that. See, the book of Joshua can be read in a reasonably short space of time. But the narrative about that book really contains a lifetime of adventures. And so I think even the idea about our patience and what we're expecting God for, but still believing for possession of the promise, needs to be held in tension. He had to spy out the land again. This time he learnt, don't send 12 committee members. <laughs> send two trusted envoys. We weren't going to vote on it at the end. We decided where we're going. The reason for the spies was to figure out how we do it. I mean, walking across the Jordan River, that was a miraculous step in its own right. Battle by battle. Terror by territory, step by step, Joshua possesses the promise. I mean, interestingly though, he could not possess the promise on his own, even though he had the encouragement, be strong and courageous. He, he, he understood what he was taking on. He had to take the community of faith into the promise to access the reality of it. It's still the same for us, eh? In hope you see this community, this extended community here in this region. I mean, I can have all dreams and visions under the sun that where I feel like God's promised us things, but unless the community of faith steps into that, that takes all of us to do that, not just one. And so whether you're passive or resistant, again, what you're doing is setting the pace or the tone for the promise and the possession of it. And again, in the same way that you would look at your kids or your grandkids or the, the, the responsible and go, I'm the best for them, then we should also have the same setting and nature for our church. What, what can we do to take more land? Can we start more programs? How can we have more people serving? A simple line that we, I talk about often is to become contributors, not just consumers. How do I add my of the journey. Joshua had to be strong and courageous. As it, the Bible says, as I have been with Moses, God says, I'll be with you. The promise probably meant more to Joshua than the opportunity ahead because he was so intimately aware of 
who Moses was. We often think about Joshua as, as the COO of Israel or the 2IC, but actually that wasn't Joshua's training and job. He was actually personally Moses' valet. What I mean by that is that when Moses said, can I have a cup of tea? Joshua was the one who made the cup of tea. When Moses said, hey, my car is dirty, Joshua was the one who washed up. He didn't run the nation, actually, literally Moses' uh, valet. And yet God calls him now into leading this great nation. But see, he understood then all tension and challenges that Moses faced. I mean, Joyce Meyer says it this way. I've never forgotten it. New levels, new devils. And it's the same any work of life as you rise up in your leadership, as you rise up in your opportunities, it's amazing how new problems come and face you. I mean, I had a businessman tell me one day, I said, um, I said, how do you handle all of the complexity of what you do? He said, Mark, it's no different to the small business that I had when I started. There's just no more zeros. So whether you're dealing with a $100 problem the complexity is no different than a $1,000 problem. Sure, there might, it might feel different. Now we're talking about a size of the bigness on you. And so there has to be something that grows on the inside. I mean, you've heard that joke, how do you, how do you get a small business? We actually give someone who's small a business and then they'll comfortably shrink that down. Joshua lived in the presence of God. Joshua lived in the Word of God. It's my last point, and I'm calling if the worship team can come. Thank you. Joshua found courage and strength to live out his convictions by meditating in the Scriptures day and night. This was the key. God gave him. I, I emphasised this at the start and I'm going to emphasise it at the end. I said to, in the first service years ago, I went through America and I met this geeky professor and he, um, he looked like an academic geek. That's no disrespect to people who've chosen an academic career. We, we understand that. Not one. I'm sort of trying to backtrack out of the hole I've dug for myself. Um, lives up to that image, but he, he, really, he really lived up to that image. So just to put it out there. Uh, he dedicated himself researching, studying um, the effect of, on people's lives of reading the Bible. An old gentleman, um, scientifically studied all the right ways and he he'd had received his PhD on that. He, him quantifiably showing me, which ad nauseum was boring and at length, um, and talking words I heard in my life before. But when I got him to summarise that down to like a one hour um, presentation, <laughs> he said to me that it's undeniable that if people read God's word five minutes a day, there's less divorce than in the community and the church. He says, if people read the Bible five minutes a day, he says their families are stronger and healthy mentally, physically, 
and financially. Their kids and their grandkids actually go on to be quite um, powerful in society. He shows me all of this research which he'd spent his whole life doing. See, he was only proving what God was saying to Joshua in Joshua 1. The facts are still the facts, and yet so many times we, we, we treat it as an op- upgrade to our Christian life. It's no surprise that Joshua followed on from Moses so effectively. He was known for spending time in the tabernacle even after Moses had left God's presence. In Exodus chapter 33, there's a number of verses here. I think we've got this on the screen. Thank you. From verse 9, it says, And as he went into the tent, the pillar of God, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its ends while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. The young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind the tent of meeting. Meeting. Joshua did not have a second-hand revelation from God. He had learned from a young age to hear the voice of God for himself and walk in the character and the leadership that were in Moses. See, I want to make a statement. I want, to, I want you to hear the strength of it is that in church life, if you've been around for any years, whenever we mention the character of Joshua, we often think of a crusader and a a fighter and an and a, and a armed leader taking this nation and taking ground and land. But can I slightly paint a friendship? Joshua, being strong in confidence, often looks like the humility to study God's Word. Keenness, the hunger to spend time in God's presence. We're all Joshua's here. And my encouragement is not only to consume God's word as if it's a meal every day, but to also fight to be in his presence. Why wouldn't you want to be in the worship that we had here this morning and and that sense of the crowd being around us, Holy Spirit, and speaking to you, encouraging you, and lifting you up. Don't, don't let that be an option or, a, or some sort of irregular pattern that just feels IBT. But I encourage you to build these things, being strong and courageous. In they see, it's going to take courage in July when it's freezing cold and dark outside to say to your three little children, come on, we're going off to church. But that's where you just got to go, I'm a Joshua. I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to build patterns in my family. They're going to actually last a lifetime, no matter what challenges, no matter what's thrown at them, no matter if there is or isn't there an appendix, or if there's a 10th wave or a 15th wave, they will be strong and courageous because we build patterns in our life. See in Joshua 1 verse 8, 
closes all this out. He said, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it tonight so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed or you do. Joshua's promise of success was not a thimbleful of success. It wasn't like a, 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 a taste test of success. There's alliteration for you right there. Yeah, you guys are a bit slow with my jokes, aren't you? Um, but his, it wasn't just sort of a highlight on success and a chart goes up and comes down. But God's promise was that everything he did, success, whether he turned to the left, turned to the right, no matter what battle was in front of him, as long as he did all of these things, it was a key to unlock the door of success. Which then we must ask ourselves, the opposite question. Frustrations, how life's going. My encouragement is revisit Josh's story. Revisit this first chapter. Read the whole book through and see how, he, um, how his life unfolded. Watch the message on YouTube that we have on the online service. Study God's Word. Get into God's presence. Haphazardly but being strong and courageous. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening so well. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you for your word today. We take heed of the lessons that you have embedded inside the page. We determine to change the patterns of our life to change the outcomes. Lord, we don't desire comfort. We desire present. Teach us to be strong and create, courageous in every situation that we find ourselves bold in the marketplace. Not being hiding in the shadows with our faith, but being comfortable, identifying as a follower of Jesus. We declare this in God's strong and powerful name. I've been really speaking, I believe, to morning and but I could probably guarantee that not everyone in this building has made a commitment to follow Jesus. Sure, you might have been to a Christian school, you might have been sprinkled with baptism as an infant or for whatever path that you found, you say, I'm interested in this God thing. But see, one of the powerful images which holds strong and true for me is in that scripture in Exodus that I read where it says that Moses spoke to God like a friend. And this is truly what I'm talking about this morning. And that friend with God simply starts with a prayer inviting God into your life and saying, yes, I'm going to turn from living for myself and actually I'm going to change directions and I'm going to live for God. Which means it's going to take some strength and some courage to do that. I understand that. But I want to pray for people that you're saying today, you go, 
Hey, Pastor, that's me. I want to, I don't want to live like I've lived. I want to live differently. And I want to now become a follower of Jesus. I want to follow His ways, not my ways. So with every head bowed and if I can ask you to close your eyes and just to, one, to give people privacy, but two, probably more importantly for you to contemplate seriously the decision to say, am I Christian? And I want to help you with that decision and just to say, if that's you this morning saying, yeah, Pastor Mark, I'd love to pray that prayer and start the journey. Well, why don't you just raise your hand where you are and allow to pray with you and for you. It'd be my great privilege and honour this morning. It's the best decision that you've ever made. A great adventure where you would join Joshua on the journey of faith. Amen. Church, let's pray pray out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, I turn away from living for myself and I now follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me, guide me, lead me, comfort me. I'm now a Christian, apprentice of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. um, Give these people a hand this morning. If you raised your hand, I'm not going to point you out, but um, if you did, hopefully one of our, I've got a team member here that's helping me and they're going to come to the service and they're going to gift you this Bible. Uh, Please accept this as a gift from our church to you. And they have to encourage you into some next steps about what God has for you. And then we've got a class that we run here. Um, which I'd love for getting get in that um, and be part of that. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but really you've got questions about what we've been talking about today, again, come and see myself or Pastor Jess or Pastor Steve or one of the team members wearing a lanyard. Just ask, can I have one of those Bibles? And then we'll know that that's code for a conversation. And I love conversation with you. Amen? Amen. Hey, why don't you turn your attention to the screen and Chris... Pastor Chris Clinton's going to urge us around our giving this morning. And Luke is going to give us an update on all the things coming up Easter. Hey there, OBC, Chris here. And I'd just love to share with you for this moment around our giving. If you'd like a giving slip to give a card today, just simply raise your hand and our incredible campus team will bring one to you. Also, we have giving locations in each of our campuses. And if you like to give cash. Let's read today from John 12, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, 